chapter four of tarano the conqueror by ray cummings this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva to the north pole you stand back you do not touch me the venus girl fairly hissed the words her eyes were dilated her white hair hung in a tumbling wavy mass over her shoulders she stood tense a frail girlish figure in a short gray cloth mantle with long gray stockings beneath we were startled georg stopped momentarily then he jumped at her it was a false move for before we could reach her with a piercing cry she was tearing at the instruments on the table her fingers with burns unheeded ripping the delicate wires smashing the small mirrors flinging everything to the floor a few seconds only but it was enough she was panting when georg caught her by the wrists and we others gathered around them Ehla, elsa cried in horror i can appreciate the shock to elza who had trusted even loved this girl dr brenda stood in confused astonishment staring at the wreck of the instrument table from a naked wire a little black coil of smoke was coming up i fumbled about and switched the current out of everything we were cut off from all communication with the world it gave me a queer feeling made the small island we were on seem so remote georg was shaking the girl demanding with whom she had been talking and why but she fell into sullen silence and nothing we could do would make her break it it infuriated me that stubbornness it was all i could do to keep from harming her in my efforts to make her talk georg at last pulled me away he led the girl to a couch and sternly bade her sit there without moving she seemed willing enough to do that she still had not spoken but her eyes were watching us closely dr brenda was examining the smashed instruments ruined we cannot use them those messages we must send them i must talk to robbins we went into the corridor out of earshot of the girl but where we could watch her that we were in immediate danger was obvious and we all realized it ahela had told some of her people that we were here on the island doubtless was planning to have them come here at once and seize us how far away from us were they i had seen in the mirror the interior of a cave-like room where was it might it not be near at hand over on the mainland might not these enemies arrive on the island at any moment georg suggested that we send our messages from the arrows we had my own car and a larger car of the brenda's more than ever now dr brenda was worried over the safety of his siberian laboratory but from the arrow we could talk to robbins we went to the landing stage i wanted to tie up ahela but as georg said she could do nothing now that the instrument room was out of commission we admonished her sternly to stay where she was and left the house on the open landing stage my small arrow was lying where i had left it but a moment's glance showed us it was wrecked its instruments and its driving mechanism demolished there was no doubt about it now 
ahela had planned to keep us on the island while her people came and seized us fortunately the brenda car was well housed and barred we saw that the gates had been tampered with but with the limited time ahela had to work in she had been unable to force them we swung them wide and to our infinite relief found the car unharmed at once dr brenda called robbins but the laboratory did not answer it may be your sending apparatus i suggested send your message down to headquarters with their high power they'll get robbins quickly enough he tried that sending also his answer to the previous coded message headquarters had sent him it was now eleven forty five we waited some eight minutes during which time i rushed back to the house ahela was sitting obediently where i had left her you stay there i told her if you move i'll break every bone in your rotten little body back at the landing stage i found dr brenda in despair headquarters could not raise robins they had relayed the message to wrangel and spitzbergen islands but the stations there reported similarly dr brenda's laboratory did not answer its call this decided us we had no wish to remain where we were the brenda car far larger than the small one of mine was fully equipped and provisioned we rolled it out and in a moment were flying in the air dr brenda's car was large commodious and smooth riding a pleasure to fly in such a car georg was at the controls i sat close beside elza in the semi-darkness gazing down through the pit-rail window to where the island was dropping away beneath us it was a perfect night the moon had set the stars and planets gleamed in an almost cloudless sky red mars i saw very nearly over our heads it was now midnight and for the moment we chanced to have the air to ourselves we rose to the ten thousand foot level then headed directly north it carried us inland soon the sea was out of sight behind lights dotted the landscape a town or city here and there and occasionally a tower dr brenda was poring over charts illumined by a dim glow-light beside him can we get power all the way georg elsa child and you better lie down a long trip you'll be tired out call royal mountain footnote six georg suggested ask them about serving us power i'll stay ten thousand or below under one thousand when we get further north ask them if they can guarantee us power all the way footnote six now montreal the station at royal mountain would guarantee us nothing on this night they advised us to keep low their own power sending station was working as usual but this night who could tell what general orders might come everyone's nerves were frayed this director demanded gruffly to know who we were tell him none of his business i put in my own nerves were frayed too quiet warned georg he'll hear you and it is his business if he wants to make it so tell him we are the inter-allied news father that is true enough and no use putting into the air that dr brenda is flying north royal mountain led us through we passed well to the east of it about twelve forty five 
too far away to sight its lights the cross traffic was somewhat heavier here beneath it at five thousand and six thousand feet a steady stream of cars was passing east and west we were riding easily little wind almost none and were doing three hundred ninety miles an hour you cannot bank or turn very well at such a speed it is injurious to the human body but our course was straight north dr brenda showed it to me on his chart north following the seventieth west meridian compass corrections as we got further north and astronomical readings these would take us direct to the pole i could never fathom this air navigation i flew by tower lights and landmarks but to dr brenda and georg the mathematics of it were simple at two o'clock we had crossed the route of the chicago great london mail flyer but we did not see the vessel the temperature was growing steadily colder the pit was enclosed and i switched on the heaters elza had fallen asleep on the side couch with my promise to awaken her at the first sign of dawn at two thirty the greater new york east indian express overhauled us and passed overhead it was flying almost north bound for bombay and ceylon via novaya zemlya it was in the eighteen thousand foot lane the air up there was clear but beneath us a fog obscured the land at intervals all this time dr brenda had been trying to raise robins but there was still no answer we did not discuss what might be the trouble of what use could such talk be but it perturbed us for imagination can picture almost anything georg even felt the strain of it for he said almost gruffly stop it father i don't think you should call attention to us so much get the meteorological reports from the pole we need them if they tell us this weather will hold at ten thousand and below we'll make good time soon after three o'clock we swept over hudson strait into baffinland we were down to four thousand feet but the fog still lay under us like a blanket it clung low we were well above it in a cloudless night with no wind save the rush of our forward flight then came the pink flush of dawn true to my promise i awakened elza but there was nothing for her to see the stars growing pale pink spreading into orange and then the sun but the fog under us still lay thick we were holding our speed very nearly at three hundred eighty an hour by daylight about five o'clock after a light meal we were over baffin bay i had relieved georg at the controls the headlands of north greenland lay before us then the fog lifted a little broke away in places the water became visible drift and slush ice of the spring with lines of open water here and there and then the fog closed down again lifting momentarily at six o'clock when we passed over the northwestern tip of greenland the tower there gave us its routine signal which we answered in kind there was little traffic along here a few local cars in the lowest lanes shortly after six when we were above grantland another of the great transarctic passenger liners went over us the san francisco night line for mid eurasia and points south 
it was crossing greenland from san francisco vancouver edmonton to the north cape the rushes and african points south of suez at seven o'clock with the sun circling the lower sky the fog under us suddenly dissipated completely we were over the polar ocean masses of drift ice and slush but for the most part surprisingly clear at eight o'clock flying low no more than a thousand feet we sighted the steel tower with foundations sunk into the ocean's depths which marks the top of our little earth we flashed by the tower in a moment answering the director's signal perfunctorily southward now on the one hundred tenth east meridian without deviating from the straight course we had held it was truly a beautiful sight this polar ocean masses of ice glittering in the morning sunlight a fog bank to the left but everywhere else patches of green water and flows that gleamed like millions of precious stones as they flung back the light to us or again a mass of low solid ice flushed pink in the morning light and behind us just above the horizon a segment of purple sky where a storm was gathering a deep purple which was mirrored in the placid patches of open water and darkened the ice flows to a solemn sombre hue elsa was entranced though she had made many transpolar trips but georg now again at the controls kept his eyes on the instruments and the doctor trying vainly once more to talk with his laboratory now so close ahead of us set in moody silence it was nine thirty eight when we sighted well off to the right the rocky headland of cape chelusen footnote seven the most northerly point of eurasia a long low cliff of gray rock ridged white with snow in its clefts we swung toward it at greatly decreased speed and at an altitude of only a few hundred feet footnote seven now cape chelusken limer peninsula siberia this was all a bleak desolate region curiously so and i think one of the very few so desolate on earth as we advanced the siberian coast spread out before us mountains behind and a strip of rocky lowland along the sea there were patches of snow the mountains were white with it but on the lowlands for the most part the spring sun had already melted it the spring was well advanced there were many open channels in the water over which we were skimming drift ice and slush ice which soon would be gone cape chelusen it was here that dr brenda had placed his arctic laboratory as far from the haunts of man as he could find a hundred miles from the nearest person so he told me and as i gazed about me i realized how isolated we were not a car in the whole circular panorama of sky no sign of vessel on the water no towns on the land it was just after ten in the morning when we dropped silently to the small landing stage a hundred yards or so from the shore we disembarked in the sunlight of what would have been a pleasant december morning in greater new york and i gazed about me curiously a level lowland of crags with the white of snow in their hollows 
collection of broad low buildings nearby with a narrow steel viaduct running down to them from the landing stage and behind everything the frowning headland of the cape the buildings stood silent without sign of life there was no one in sight anywhere no one out to greet us i thought it a little strange but i said nothing we started down the viaduct under us in patches of soil i could see the vivid colors of the little arctic flowers already rearing their heads to the spring sunlight i called elsa's attention to them a vague apprehension was within me my heart was pounding unreasonably but this was dr brenda's affair not mine and i wanted to hide my perturbation from elza the viaduct reached the ground a path led on to the houses suddenly dr brenda called out robbins robbins grantly where are you the words seemed to echo back faintly to us but the buildings remained silent you'd better wait here with elza georg said i'll go on see what he checked his words and started forward but dr brenda was with him and in doubt what to do i followed with elza we entered the nearest building into a low dim room with doors on the sides in the silence i seemed to hear my heart pounding my ribs elza's face was pale and perturbed but she smiled very courageously at me wait said georg you wait here he turned into a side door leading to another room and in an instant was back with a face from which the color had departed they're not in there he said unsteadily elza you go outside with father they must be around somewhere jack come look there was a rustle behind us arms came around me pinning me i heard elza scream saw georg fighting two dark forms which had leaped upon him i was flung to the ground but i fought three men it seemed to be who were upon me then georg's voice jack stop they'll kill you i yielded suddenly and my assailants jerked me to my feet a group of venus men were surrounding us georg his jacket torn to ribbons was backed up against the wall with three or four venus men holding him and on the floor nearby dr brenda lay prone with a crimson stain spreading on his white ruffled shirt and elza sobbing over him End of chapter four